right, like I said earlier, it is great to be with you this morning. And what we're going to do today is we're going to resume the series called The Story, this campaign that we've been through since the beginning of the year. We're going to resume that today. And we've been going through the Bible from beginning to end. And what the story is, is it's a continuous story laid out for us to to read and it's God's story and if you don't have a copy of the story bible before you leave today stop by guest services and pick pick up one for free we want you to have one so so far in this series since we've started we've gone through the entire old testament it's hard to believe we did that but we did we went through the whole old testament we talked about creation and we talked about the fall of of man. We talked about the flood and how God would spare a faithful and obedient man named Noah. We talked about how God would build a nation through Abraham and how God would save that nation from Egypt through Moses. And we talked about the failure of God's people. And this is probably what stood out to me most of all is, is the failure of God's people time and time again to be obedient to him. But what also stood out to me was God's faithfulness. Each and every time, God would find ways to step into this story, you see, to redeem, to save. God would step in. And this whole idea of redemption, this theme of redemption, will continue into what's known as the New Testament or the, the second half of the Bible. And God would put into place in the New Testament the greatest redemption act once and for all. It was, it was now time for a, a savior. It was now time for a, a king. Think about this. After centuries and centuries of bad news, it was time for some good news. And the New Testament begins with a series of books called the Gospels. And the word gospel actually means good news. And these are the first four books that you come to, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And in these books, we find what the good news is all about, right? It's where we find the accounts of the life of Jesus, mainly his birth, his, his ministry, his death, and his resurrection so if you want to see the life of Jesus if you want to see what Jesus said if you want to see how Jesus lived then those are the books that you want to go to to study and to read so as we make our way into the New Testament today I think a proper place for us to start is with the birth of Christ the birth of a savior the birth of a king and this is typically easy for us we're, we're familiar with the popular accounts of Christ's birth. Each and every year around Christmas time, we talk about this. We watch movies about this. We sing songs, Christmas carols about this. We give gifts, right? We, we're familiar with this. This is kind of a part of our life. So we know the stories. We, we're familiar with the Gospel of Luke where we have the shepherds out in their fields, right? And the, the angelic host appears and sings praises and glory to God. 
shepherds go to the, uh, the manger and we have the famous manger scene with Mary and baby Jesus. And even my family, my mom has favorite ornaments. You know, I'm sure that you all do too. Every family has these favorite ornaments that mean more than, than the others do. And she has a Linus uh, ornament, the Peanuts character, Linus. I think he's the one with the blanket, right? Uh, but anyway, you press a button on there and he, Linus recites the whole chapter two of, of Luke's gospel, the whole Christmas story. And uh, you know, one of my kids broke that ornament a couple years ago. But anyway, um, we, we have things like that that we sort of gravitate towards, we hold on to. Another tradition that we do in my family is, is we get together and before we open gifts, um, my, my parents have this huge Bible on top of their mantle. Honestly, I'm not exaggerating. It's this, I have to grab it like this. It's in a wooden box. And it gets read once a year, that Bible does. And we, we bring it down and we set it down and together we read Luke chapter 2, the whole chapter before we open presents. That's a great tradition. I love doing that. And then in Matthew's account, we have the Magi, right? We have these the wise men from the east that see this north star and they, they follow this, this star and it rests over top of Bethlehem. They follow it all the way to Bethlehem and with them they take gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh to, to give to this newly born king. We're familiar with those stories. We read them to our kids. We share them with our families. We, we love those stories. But what if I told you there was another story what if I told you there was a, a different story of Christ's birth? A story that could change your life right now and forever. What if there was a truth that could not only impact your life for all eternity, but each and every day? That would be a great story, wouldn't it? So since we're familiar with those traditional stories, I want to look at the birth of Christ from a different perspective this morning from a different account. This morning, we'll look at John's account of Christ's birth, and we'll see what that actually means to us. So if you have, if you have your Bibles with you, go ahead and open those up to John chapter 1. We'll be in the Gospel of John today, and we'll have the verses on the screen as well. So let's begin reading in John 1.1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. All right, so let's pause and let's talk. So John is talking about the Word. And the Word is referring to Jesus. The Word is is God's ultimate communication of, of himself. The word is the very expression of God. And John says that, this, that the word didn't find his origin in a, in a manger in Bethlehem. No. The word existed long, long before that ever took place. In the beginning was the word. And what does this automatically make us think of? Genesis, right? The very first verse in all the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. 
And John goes on, on to say, the word was with God and the word was God. Okay. John's trying to tell us something here. There's something that he wants us to know. He's wanting us to show that Jesus isn't just an ordinary man. He's wanting to show us that Jesus is definitely not an angel. Jesus is not a sub-level type God. But John is stressing that the word that Jesus was himself God. And just to drive his point home, John goes on further to say that through him, through the word, all things were made. John wants us to make sure that we get the proper perspective of who Jesus actually is. Listen, folks, he is God. The word is God, and he created all things. When we read that creation account in Genesis, that was him. When we read that God created everything from nothing, that was him. That was the word. The word created everything. Think about this. Each time something was created, it was because, and God said, God spoke. And God said, let there be light. And God said, let there be sea. And God said, let there be land and vegetation. And God said, let us make man in our image. And God said, and it was. It was the word of God. You see, the word was God, and the word created everything. That's good, isn't it? So the verse I want us to focus on this morning is John 1.14. We've sort of set up some framework, some groundwork, so that we can transition into this. And everything that we talk about this morning will sort of flow from John 1.14, okay? So the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. The Word became flesh. That's the birth of Jesus. That's the birth of Christ. So Jesus is the Word. And remember, the Word is God. So here's the big picture Okay, you with me? When it says the word became flesh, it means God became flesh. God became flesh. God wrapped himself up into human form, left the majesty of the highest heaven to come down to this earth. And it goes on to say that he made his dwelling among us. Among us. That phrase literally means that he pitched a tent. God came down to dwell among us, to live with us. This is big, folks. Are you with me? This is big. This had never happened like this before. Throughout the Old Testament, God would manifest himself in, in different ways. He would speak. He would show up in dreams and visions. He would show up in a burning bush. He would show up in a cloud or a pillar of fire. He would show up on top of a mountain. He would show up in the tent of Moses. Through many ways and means, God 
made it obvious that he wanted to be relational. He wanted to relate to people. He didn't want to be some far off, distant God, not in the mix, not worrying, not caring about what was going on. Through many different ways, he showed that he wanted to be a relational God. This time, though, this time it would be way different than before. This time God's presence would be more personal than ever. This time God would make his presence known and make his entrance into this world by becoming flesh and blood, by becoming one of us. This was part of God's plan to save mankind. Look with me at Matthew one twenty three. The virgin, that is Mary, will conceive and give a birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. In other words, that name, Emmanuel, literally translates God with us. God with us. Think about this. God didn't choose to send somebody else on his behalf. God didn't choose to send another person, a representative. God didn't choose to send a delegate. God didn't even choose to send an angel this time. This time, God himself, God himself would come down to dwell with us, to be with us. Folks, this is big. So he's called Emmanuel, God with us. And in Luke's gospel, in his account, an angel comes to visit Mary And he tells Mary to name the baby Jesus. And obviously that's what she did. She named the baby Jesus. But here's the interesting thing. The name Jesus literally means the Lord saves. The Lord saves. So there is salvation in his name, literally, right? So check this out. The baby is given two names. Jesus and Emmanuel, right? The Lord saves. By becoming God with us. Oh, that's awesome, isn't it? The Lord saves by becoming God with us. God came to make salvation possible. God came to save. So in John's account, there isn't a manger scene with shepherds and cute little animals and a majestic angelic choir singing But John sums up the birth of Christ by simply saying the word became flesh. That's amazing. So in the rest of our time together today, I want us to look at what that means to us. I mean, it's a a good story. It's one thing to look at this and say, well, I really haven't looked at Christ's birth from that perspective. But we need to look at what it means to us because I think this is big. This is big. So there's three results that I want to go through with you today of the word becoming flesh. The first one, because the word became flesh, we have life. We have life. Look with me at John 1, 4, the first part of verse 4. says, in him was life. In him was life. Now, this doesn't mean that he's alive. In other words, this doesn't mean that he's born. Okay, well, I hear him crying. His heart's beating. He's breathing. He's alive. Okay, good. We're good. No, it doesn't mean that. It means that life is found in him. 
that he is the source of life. Life is actually a result of him. Just like the word made life possible in the beginning by creating everything, the word made life possible when he became flesh. Life is found in him. The word, think about it this way, the word is the source of life. The word came to give life. And this really is the theme of John's entire book. At the end of of John's book in John chapter 20 verse 31, he says, But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Life is found in the word. Life is found in Jesus. The truth is, God cares about our life. God wants us to have life. After all, think about this. He did create us. But because of sin, because of of our rebellion, we messed it up. We We don't have the life that we were meant to have. We don't have the life that God wanted for us. We don't have that life that God wanted us to have. So this is what God did. Are you listening? God decided to give life again. God decided to give life again through his son. A life that cannot be marred or disfigured. A life that cannot be altered or taken away. Through Jesus, we have life. And there are two types of life that Jesus offers. The first one is is eternal life. Look with me at John 3.16. Probably the most popular verse in all the Bible. John would, would write this verse as well. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Let's stop. So we typically think about this as Christ died on the cross and he resurrected. That's what we think about when we read this verse. But before the cross, the word had to become flesh. The word became flesh. God gave his son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That's what Jesus offers. Eternal life. Because of Jesus, folks, listen to me. We have an opportunity to live forever. To be in heaven with the Lord forever and ever, for all eternity. Eternal life. God also wants us to have an abundant life. Not only do we have an eternal life to look forward to, but God wants us to have the good life now, in the present, right now. Sometimes we forget that God cares about our lives right now. Look with me at John 10.10. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come. The word became flesh, you see. Emmanuel, I have come. 
that they may have life and have it to the full. God wants us to have a full life now. An abundant life now. Now here's a disclaimer. The Bible never promises us a life of ease. But a life in Christ is full, abundant, and blessed because, listen to me, He is with us each and every step of the way. Emmanuel, God with us. It's an abundant life not because of us, but it's an abundant life because he is with us. That's the abundant life. That's the full life. God with us now. As a believer in Christ, we can and we do. We look forward to being in heaven forever with God. But God also wants us to know that his spirit is with us in the present. We have the blessings of God right now. He promised to be with us. He promised never to leave us or forsake us. God wants us to have life. He came to give life, both eternal and abundant. Through Christ, there is eternal life that awaits us and an abundant life until we get there. Amen? Next, since the Word became flesh, we have light. So we have life, and we have light. Let's look at verse 4 through 9. Verses 4 through 9. In him was life, which we just talked about that, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John, and that's talking about John the Baptist. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. And listen to this, such an awesome way to describe the birth of Christ. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. The true light. God with us. God knew that there was only one way to eradicate darkness to send the true light into the world and when the word became flesh the light of God entered into the world and this would be a a light not only to destroy darkness but it would be a light to follow similar to a lighthouse shining light into the darkness so that sailors could be saved. Jesus came to give light so that we could be saved and have a light to follow. Look with me at John eight twelve. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Because the word became flesh, we have the true light. God came to this world to to free us from darkness. Man, so many of us have darkness in our lives. 
So many of us have shadows over certain areas of our lives. Listen to me. We don't have to live like that. We don't have to live in darkness. We don't have to feel overcome and trapped by darkness. Jesus is the light that shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not overcome. Amen? Through Christ, listen to me, darkness has lost all of its power because through Christ we have the true light. The light that doesn't go out. The light that doesn't diminish. Think about this. To have that abundant life, to have that full life, that blessed life that God wants you to have, you have to let the light of God shine in the dark areas of your life. Think about this. He came into a dark world. He knew that it was dark before he came. He came into a dark world, so dark that he would eventually be killed. He came into darkness so that you wouldn't have to live in it any longer. Amen? Some of you need to hear that this morning. I hope you're listening. Do you light in your life? The true light is found in Jesus. When we go to that light, when we follow that, follow that light, we, we step out of darkness and we step into light. When we follow Jesus, think about this. If we're following the true light, the, light is by, the darkness is behind us. We leave the darkness behind when the word became flesh, true light entered into the world. Finally, since the word became flesh, we have God as a father. So we have life, we have light, and then we have God as a father. Let's look at verses 10 through 13. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children not born of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. So here's the truth. We all have fathers. We all have or had fathers. I mean, each one of us was a twinkle in our mother's eye at one point in time, right? Are you following me? I don't have to explain it to you. It takes two to tango. We all have biological fathers. We are all born into this world with a father. But here's the thing. We are all born into sin. The truth is our fathers are sinners. And, and their fathers were sinners. Even the very best fathers are sinners. Even leave it to Beaver's dad, whoever that is, I don't know. It sounds, leave it to Beaver's dad was a sinner. All right? Um, and here's what happens. 
that sin passes down from father to child, generation after generation after generation after generation. It passes down. But what John is saying here is that we have the right through Christ to become children of God. You follow me? We have the right to sever that lineage of sin, that whole line of sin. We have the right to cut that in half through Christ. We actually have the right to step out from this line and into this line and become a child of God. Through Christ, we have that right. We have that privilege. We have that honor to do that and to have a perfect, heavenly Father. John would go on on later to write about an encounter that Jesus had with a man named Nicodemus. And Jesus told Nicodemus that, it, hey, it's impossible to see God unless you're born again. Unless you're born again. And John, I mean, uh, Nicodemus really didn't know what he was, Jesus was talking about. He, he sort of got confused. This confused him. And this is what Jesus said in John 3, 6. It's not on the screen. I'm just going to read it to you. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. So you see... Being born again doesn't mean that you are physically reborn. But it means that through Christ, you are born again into a new family, a spiritual family, with with God as your father. Listen to me. By being born again, your heritage isn't tainted with sin. The line is severed. Because your heritage is not in flesh and blood. Your heritage isn't in natural descent. But your heritage is in God. Your father is God. We are born of God through Christ. Amen? What an awesome privilege it is to be called a child of God. Since the word became flesh, we have an opportunity to be born again. Have God as our perfect heavenly father, a perfect father who loves us, who provides for us, who protects us each and every day of our lives. So to sum up for our teaching for today, since the word became flesh, we have life. God came to give life. The author of life came to give life again, and that's found through Christ. The eternal life, the, to be able to dwell forever in heaven. Think about that. This little sliver of what we call a lifetime is nothing compared to eternity. Eternal life, to dwell with him forever, and then the abundant life, to live out a full, abundant life until we get to eternity. God with us makes that possible. Then we we have light. God is light. And when God became flesh, true light was brought into a dark world. And since God is with us, we don't have to worry about darkness. We don't have to live in darkness. We don't have to be afraid 
of darkness because darkness cannot overcome true light. Cannot. The light of Christ eradicates, kills, destroys darkness, but it also gives us a light that we can follow. And then we have God as a father. Listen, the great truth, God came to be with us because he wants us to be with him. His desire is for us to have a relationship that can only be described as a father and child relationship, a close relationship, a personal relationship, a loving and intimate relationship. In God, we have a father who wants to love, who wants to be there for us, who wants to provide and protect for us. You see, God became a child so that you could become a child of God. That's good, isn't it? If you're here this morning and you're a believer, you've put your faith in in Christ, God with us is something that you really need to embrace more than once a year. Right? We need to think about that more than just once a year. Actually, we need that every single day of our lives. I promise you, when you come to that realization that God is with you, it'll change the way you live. It'll change your life. You can live the abundant life if God is with you. And if you're not a believer, you haven't made that step to give your life to the Lord. Think about this. The Word became flesh. God took the first step towards you. God took the initiative to step down from heaven to be close to you, to show you what salvation looked like through Jesus. God took the initiative. Now, now it's your turn to step towards him. There's only, there's only one way to get life. There's only one way to get eternal life. There's only one way to get abundant life. There's only one way to get true light and leave the darkness behind. And there's only one way to have Father God is your Father, and that's through Jesus Christ. John 14, 6 and 7, Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then in verse 7, he says, if you know me, if you really know me, you will know my Father as well. I challenge you this morning. Take that step towards God. He took the step towards you. Put your trust in Jesus. Follow Jesus, the true light. Because Jesus said, if you know me, if you really know me, you will know my Father as well. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can call you Father. That we could be your children that we could have a perfect, heavenly, loving Father. And as we looked at this account today, we thank you for coming into this world, for loving us in such a way that you would step into darkness to bring light and life to us. Father, may we recognize that this 
could change the way we live each and every day. Knowing that you care about our lives now. You want us to have a blessed and abundant life. You want us to put our trust and our faith in you, not just for eternity, but for tomorrow. Father, we truly believe that if you're in our life, we will be blessed. Father, we thank you for humbling yourself, leaving the majesty of heaven to unwrap yourself from splendor and to wrap yourself up in flesh and blood. To come into this world, to penetrate the darkness, to save and to redeem. To die. Father, we love you so much. We, we just cannot fathom how great that you are. That you became flesh for us. Father, if we're children of you today, Father, may we act and live like children of God, walking through this life confident in who our Father is, confident in who holds us in the palm of their hand, confident in where we'll spend eternity. Father, for the heart that has not committed to following you yet, Father, I pray that that heart would be obedient, that that heart would be strong to look to you as the source of true light and that would commit to following your light the rest of their days. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.